Good day to you. My name is James Langridge and I am the president of the British American Business Council here in Los Angeles. Back again today with another podcast and today we're going to be discussing the very important subject of immigration. Now what does that mean to you? Well, we have three experts in their field to help to answer those questions today that we have for them. Uh, and I'd like to introduce them. Uh, good afternoon, Afsha, uh, Lynn, and Rich. Um, Afsha, would you take a second just to introduce yourself and who you are, please? Yep, my name, thank you for having me um, on the show, James. I was really excited to get your invitation. So my name is Afsha Randera. I'm managing attorney at Michael Sullivan and Associates. We basically help California employers and people, and I run the immigration section, so help the people with their work visas and their green cards over here. Been really busy creating a guide for California employers, so a lot, we're doing a lot of writing and giving a lot of content away, away about how COVID is impacting our employers and our businesses. So happy to talk about that later. Wonderful. Thank you, Afsha. We will get back to you definitely. Good afternoon, Lynn. Would you take a second, please? Sure. Thanks so much for having us. My name's Lynn McCrockery and I'm an English qualified solicitor and I'm partner and co-founder of Eversage Associates. And we are a boutique immigration practice that specialise in UK bound immigration. So helping not just Americans, but any nationality who are looking to live and work in the UK. That's wonderful. Thank you. And last but not least, and fellow board member, Richard Yem. How are you, Rich? I'm good. Thanks, James. Always good to speak to you. Um, so yeah, my name is Richard Yem. I'm a partner immigration attorney with Wolfsdorf Rosenthal. Uh, we have offices all over the place, but um, based over in Santa Monica. Um, except right now, I'm working from home, obviously. Um, but been out here, like I said, about 12 years doing immigration, um, pretty, pretty much just US-bound immigration. So people coming out to the US for visas, green cards, that side of things. That's excellent. Thank you, Rich. So, okay. Thank you all for being on on here today. There's a lot going on right now. Everyone's working from home. How are you guys doing? How's, how's business right now? I mean, what's it like working from home? How are you? Give us an idea on what it's like advising some people right now. Why don't you take us away, Lynn? Um, so working from home is fine for me because I've, I've been doing working from home for a number of years now, so I'm quite used to it, albeit without two very young, noisy children normally. Um, but aside from that, the, the mental and the ability to work from home is absolutely fine. And obviously we've got all this amazing technology now. And in terms of the work, I have to say it's just it's brilliant being able to still chat and catch up with clients as much as possible. Um, obviously, nobody's traveling at the moment and visa applications have been stalled to some extent, albeit we can still submit applications, but some are not necessarily being reviewed right now. So what we're doing for clients is really just trying to educate them on what the announcements from the Home Office have been and how these announcements are changing their visa status and giving them guidance on, on what the future looks like and what we should be doing to make sure that we're as proactive as possible so that once, once the lockdown lifts and our new normal resumes, all of our clients are in a really good position to make sure that they have the talent they need working in the UK and that everybody's safe and well in the UK that's already there. 
That's fantastic. Thank you for that. More to follow. Afsha, how about you? How's it like, what's it like working from home as opposed to being in the office? Oh, I, I actually really love working from home. I have a dedicated office space, so not commuting in this LA traffic, not that there would be any LA traffic right now anyway, has been quite wonderful. And I do my uh, prescribed once, uh, once a day walk. So it's, it's nice to work from home. I'm happy to do it. Oh, I um, love that. Yeah. So, and uh, I also take calls from my car as well if I need a break, but I'm only happy um, in my apartment. Um, Fantastic. And in in terms of like what I'm seeing from clients, in terms of business, I would say business is slightly lesser because there are no visa interviews. The embassies and consulates abroad, they are just, they've been suspended since March 20th. So in that respect, there has been less interest or less movement. But most of that has been taken up with a lot of client hand-holding. So I'm seeing a lot of anxiety, a lot of panicking, giving a lot of information about how you can make this time productive. So it's a, it's, it's a bit in between. Like I, I love that I'm giving away so much information, having lots of great chats, but it's obviously a lot of it is just um, calming people down right now. I imagine it must be. Uh, Richard, are you experiencing some of the same things? And how about you? How, how's it like working from home? Um, for me, it's been pretty good just being at home um, to work just because of technology. Now you can pretty much do your entire job from wherever you are. Um, it's very similar to what Afshar was saying. You know, we've seen a downturn because obviously the embassies are closed. So not so many people going for visa interviews, but a, a huge increase in the number of emails and correspondence are about, um, you know, what people can do, what people can do in terms of travel, what you know, if they're able to, um, if they're unemployed, what the situation is at that point and what employers, maybe some more of the corporate clients, what they're running into issues with trying to maybe do furloughs and whether that affects uh, non-immigrant employees, this side of things. So it's it's definitely been very busy. I'm a little bit jealous of, of some of the people I've been seeing who seem to be having a lot of free time, but yeah, it's been pretty much just busy or busier than normal recently. Uh, thanks for that. It's uh, I hear similar things. Some people are very busy. Some people aren't. It's, it's just a very strange dynamic right now. Some people are all getting used to, I think. Okay. So um, about a week ago, uh, or forgive me if I'm, my timeline's off, but it was announced by President Trump that he is going to ban all immigration and working visas. Rich, is that accurate? What do we need to know right now if we're thinking about moving into Los Angeles, applying for a green card, coming to work for someone, what should we be doing? Well, it was, it was obviously very surprising. Um, suddenly, Monday night, tweet came out saying that he was going to sign his order, stopping immigration. Um, I had literally hundreds of emails from people saying, what does this mean? I was like, I, I don't really know what he means by that. Um, but it some clarity came through within a few days and we actually had a presidential proclamation. Um, I think it was last Wednesday. Um, but it basically this one, I say this one because there's a possibility that we might have more down the line that might be not so good, but this one really isn't doing too much. They're basically just suspending, um, really just immigrant visa interviews at kind of at the embassies abroad. Um, which isn't a huge issue because right now, because of COVID, all of the consulates and embassies abroad are closed anyway. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's kind of suspending it for 60 days. Um, it can be extended at the end of that time, but 
you know, right now that's the only people that's affecting. And immigrants at the interview, that's people who are applying for basically a green card at the interview, as opposed to just a standard working visa or anything else like that. Basically, people with working visas, you know, there's some restrictions in terms of the, the just COVID travel bans right now, still okay. We're still being able to file for green card applications here in the US. We can still file extensions for people. So immigration is still very kind of li alive and well, um, but there are situations that are a little bit delayed. But again, I think it's, it's a bit of a, it, it's not as, as excessive as it seemed like it might be initially. That's great to hear. So if you are here working in America and you're, or you've come to America and you're thinking of applying for a green card, because there's different ways to do the process. You could obviously, there are correct ways you apply in your home country. Some people apply when they get here. Um, is, that, is that avenue still open to them right now? Yes. Yeah, okay. you can still apply here. You just can't apply. I mean, you can start the process abroad, but you can't actually, they can't issue the immigrant visa abroad, at least for the next 60 days. So we have people here that we're still filing green card cases for to what's called adjustment of status. You can still do that. And how does that affect someone who has a green card and is now looking to become a citizen? Is there any restrictions on that at that point? Because that's a big deal for a lot of people. When I got my citizenship, it was a very emotional and very triumphant feeling at the end to have done that. Is that still open to people who have a green card? Yeah, I mean, basically right now you can still apply for citizenship. The one issue that doesn't really come from this proclamation, just comes from the current situation with COVID, is that the uh, USCIS offices, the immigration public facing offices, a lot of them have closed down. Um, basically closed to in-person appointments and they've said until at least June 4th when they're, they're hoping to begin reopening. Now what that means is, you know, you can file the application and they can still go through the process, but your interview could be quite a while because we have a lot of people since I think mid-March um, that had interviews scheduled that were postponed, pushed back. So when they open, there's going to be a huge backlog and it's just going to take a lot longer potentially to get those interviews being scheduled. I mean, I think, actually, you can probably add to this. I mean, I've, I think citizenship we've been seeing, at least here in LA, about eight months. Um, I'm expecting that to probably go even, even higher once, you know, because of the current situation. No, I 100% agree with you. And I'm actually a, a green card holder and I had my interview um, with USCIS to renew, I think, when was it? At the, at the beginning of April. So I am now on postponement, 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 because, you know, at first the closures were until May 4th, and now they've been moved to June 4th. So we're all, so I'm personally do, dealing with it. And, you know, the people who have the interviews coming up, their interviews are being pushed back too. So yes, there will be a backlog for everyone involved and further delays. I will say one thing though, that the biometrics, so they were you know, I think as part of pretty much any application you file, you have to go to an office to get fingerprints scanned and they take a photo. Those offices have been closed too. So that, you know, just them doing security checks is going to take a lot longer. Um, but what they have been doing is they've been trying to work with us a little bit. They have been saying they're using previously captured biometrics. So if you've had an application recently where you gave fingerprints, you maybe don't have to this time. And some good news, we have seen some employment based green card cases that ever since this current administration have been being scheduled for an interview. Now they're actually, some of them are just being approved without an interview. So we're almost going back to a, a pre-Trump situation where 
you know, some of those cases, if there wasn't any kind of criminal issues or any other problems, they could just approve the green card, you'd get it in the mail, you wouldn't have to go in and go through the whole deal of an interview. So, so that's, that's at least one good, good thing from this. That's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. Lynn, you're working more, more with people leaving uh, Americans going to England. Is it a similar situation there? What, what can you, what are you seeing that you can share with us? Um, so in terms of, uh, the actual visa applications that are being made from Americans who are wanting to live and work in in the UK, these applications are also are also on hold because, like American visa applications, they need to submit biometric data, and all the visa application centres where you submit your biometric data is closed. So what we're seeing is there's obviously going to be a huge backlog for people who are wanting to obtain a visa to go to the UK. Um, But that being said, you can still actually submit the visa application, pay the fee, and sometimes that's going to be preferable if you're applying under a certain category where you need to say meet financial standing for the last six months at a certain level and you want to lock in that application date. It's very important that people in America know that they can still actually submit the visa, pay the fee and lock in that date, which is really important, but they'll just have to wait until the visa application centres are open and then they can submit their biometrics and then the application will be processed. And then in terms of Americans that are in the UK, they're they're a similar situation because all the centres are closed for biometric capturing and that's the last piece in in any visa application in the UK. Um, But again, really important that anybody, any American or any other nationality that's in the UK and if their visa is coming up for expiry, it's absolutely fundamental that they either take part in one of the provisions that the Home Office has announced, like uh, an extension of leave until the end of May, or they just apply for an extension of their visa as they would ordinarily. And again, that's submitting a visa form and paying the fee to lock in that date. And that's really important in the UK, especially because if you become an overstayer in the UK, that can have far-reaching consequences for any future UK visa application and indeed any global visa application because you would need to disclose on on most application forms for other visas for other countries that you've overstayed in the UK. So it's absolutely fundamental that people do not overstay in the UK and that they ensure that they submit an extension application within the correct time period so that they can avail of what we call Section 3C protection, which basically means that their current visa and their terms and conditions are extended and enforced until a decision on their new visa application is decided. That's a lot of great information there. Just a follow-on question for you, Lynn. Um, Just before all this, Brexit was was just behind us or on Mm. the horizon. There's so many moving parts in England and Europe right now. Is that having a knock-on effect with uh, applications that you're dealing with? What are, what are you seeing there? Well, not really, actually. Um, so at the moment, any European national that's in the UK should still be applying under the EU settlement scheme. And that basically is so that any EU or 
EEA or Swiss citizen that's arriving in the UK before the end of, of this year, they should apply under the settlement scheme so that their rights are protected in the UK. And that settlement scheme is is still open and applications are being processed, albeit much longer than usual due to the COVID. Um, and I think there probably will be a strong argument that that deadline's extended um, so that you know, vulnerable people or anybody who's affected by COVID has the opportunity to avail of the EU settlement scheme. But what's really important to note for any of our listeners is that the UK will have a new immigration system in place for people arriving in the UK from the 1st of January 2021, once free movement ends completely. And that will mean that basically EU citizens will be treated exactly like any non-EU citizens. So if you're an Italian, you're going to be treated exactly like an American will be. So if you're looking to live and work in the UK, you'll need to apply for a visa like any American would. And that's really important for any of your listeners that are companies, the multinational companies that have operations in the UK, because if they want to continue to sponsor EU workers in the UK, they need to make sure that they have a sponsor license. And the good thing at the moment, the Home Office has, has been doing what we've been hearing is that ordinarily when you submit a sponsor license application, you have to submit original documents with original signatures. So at the moment, they seem to be accepting electronic documents, which is great. And in, in fact, sponsor licenses are, are not taking that long to be approved at the moment. So I think the message should be that the companies that do have that requirement to recruit talent in the UK, irrespective of nationality, should definitely make sure that they have a sponsor license in place. Thank you, um, Rich and Afsa. This is a question for you. Um, there's a travel ban in place right now. Uh, where, who, which countries does that affect wanting to come into the US? Um, basically, right now, it's, uh, so it's China, Iran, um, and also the, the Schengen countries, plus the UK and Ireland. Um, so that's most of Europe, Austria, Belgium, Czech Republic, Denmark, Estonia, just all of those kind of countries. Basically, if you've been in one of those countries in the last 14 days and you're a foreign national, you're not going to be able to, to come in. You've got to kind of wait 14 days, maybe somewhere else, and then transit through. Um, but that's the situation right now. It doesn't affect U.S. citizens. It doesn't affect um, you know people who are actually maybe green card holder or something along those lines as well. And it's not supposed to um, impact cargo shipments. Um, but as of right now, that travel ban from March 11th is still going. Oh, and, 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 yeah, sorry, after go. No, for no it. I, I'm I'm completely echoing what Rich is saying. There are the the exceptions, including the medical professionals who are working towards um, COVID solutions or mitigating COVID-19. That was one thing that I was helping people with. So there is that the LPRs, the medical professionals, things like that. But otherwise, Rich has got it completely. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, so the, the question I would have to that is, when can we expect some easing of those travel bans? Uh, what is your opinion on that, Rich? Because people want to get back to business. We want to do it safely. How, how can we expect to see the government start to ease some of these travel regulations? I mean, it's a great question, but it's, it's the one that everyone's trying to figure out what the answer is right now. I mean, 
you know, we don't see I guess is that, sorry, just to, just to jump oh, in sorry. then, on, sorry, no, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I realize, I know it's a tough question. So what, what do you expect to happen? Where do you think we'll see it start to ease? Is it going to be the main trading partners where people have to get back and forth? What, what do you expect? What can we expect? I think that would make sense. I mean, especially as, you know, obviously the initial travel ban was just Europe and then it was extended to the UK. Um, so it's possible that some of those countries or maybe countries that are able to show a certain um, maybe handle on the virus overall in terms of numbers of, you know, I mean, I think Sweden's been doing pretty well. I think it might be a situation they might decide to lift it for certain countries. But yeah, your guess is, is as good as mine really on, on that front. Um, Afshar, do you have any? Um, no, but I, I, I was like, I really want to hear what Richard has to say about it. <laughs> Actually, when you asked him the question, um, no, we, we, we don't really know what to expect. I, I w- was speaking to a colleague and she is saying that there have become visa appointments available in Canada towards the end of May. But let's see, because everything is a pushing timeline. I know that the embassy in London is definitely on lockdown for the next two weeks. And then I guess we're waiting on what the, the prime minister says this upcoming week about the continuing closures in the country, but we just don't know. We're given a deadline and then it's pushed. We're given a time and then it's pushed an extra couple of weeks and then it's pushed an extra couple of weeks. I guess we'll know when the, the curve flattens, right? That's, that's the only thing that I can think that would provide any kind of guidance. Oh, no, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's just that uncertainty that it makes it so difficult to, just to, to operate. So I know everyone's trying to do their best right now. Um, Absha, when the economy gets up and running again, we're going to be in a more, it feels like we're already moving into a more digital environment, virtual environment, more tech company opportunities. Do you expect to see an influx of applicants from particular countries who want to set up and work here? What are your expectations? Well, my expectations is, well, I can't predict what the US, the, the needs of the US government, what they will allow, but it does look in the last few years, in the last, in this current administration, we've been seeing stricter and stricter adjudications, but whenever there is a need for something, it, it lifts. That So I am expecting that, that the individuals or companies that want further tech, that those applications will go through easier. So when I speak to employer clients and I tell them, I don't believe you will have issues going forward with your tech with your tech practitioners. In fact, keep supporting your software engineers, keep building them up. So in terms of countries, I think we have to tell the UK to keep innovating, obviously, and it should keep the doors open to the US for them. And in terms of the other big tech countries, I don't see why it would be closed because to rebuild the economy, which is going to be we're going to be in a little bit of trouble. You're going to need all the digitizing and the the tech. And I, I like how Rich was saying earlier about how they're returning to a few measures of, of um, this pre, prior to this administration because we need to speed things up. So that the slowing down of immigration, it's it we're going to need to rebuild quickly. That's why I was saying that digital and tech will be the way forward. In terms of particular countries, Rich, do you have an idea? Not really. Um, it's... It just, it really is going to depend, I think, on, I mean, at least from what I've heard from, from Trump in terms of what, he, how he, you know, views certain countries and in terms of the, the initial travel ban on China and, and now the EU as well, like, it's very much based on these countries don't seem to have a handle on something. So potentially that's, you know, down the line once testing becomes better, 
I mean, right now, U.S. citizens returning from or even trans transiting through U.K. or Ireland or Europe, they can still enter the country, but they have to go through certain airports. Um, you know, the local ones that we know of, LAX, SFO, um, they have to go through one of those. Um, CDC also requires self-quarantine for, for about two weeks. Um, but those entry points, I've heard that there's enhanced entry screening, that, that you know, people are having their temperature taken. Um, Again, on the, the silver lining, people seem to be saying that the, the airports are a lot less crowded, so they're managing to get through um, uh, and in a lot quicker than, than pretty much ever before. But I think they're having to fill out something called a traveler health declaration, um, talking about if they've been any of the, those countries within the last 14 days or in contact with anyone. Um, and then either they're released or referred for some kind of public health risk assessment. Um, but that's, that's what we're seeing so far, and I'm guessing that, Maybe if that can be um, increased or made more effective, then potentially we could we could see the opening up of of these kind of borders. That's great. Um, I think that I heard a quote the other day. I read a quote that the traffic, the freeway traffic, it's like being in 1950s America, <laughs> uh, which I, I never thought I'd experience that. But gosh, it is there. It, there is a, a, an appeal to less traffic on the road for sure. Yeah. Just when we don't have to commute, there's no commute. Right. Right, no commute. I know, and then we get so used to the the getting around in less than ten minutes everywhere. It's going to be right. quite a shock to the system. We've got a big shock, yes. So I have a question. This is for the group, and feel free to jump in individually and answer this. But well, the first question is: Do the reason for Trump's immigration ban is that we're dealing with a mass unemployment? Uh, and it's increasing right now. Is he trying to stem the flow and protect American jobs down the road? Is that something related to this, do you think? I mean, I would say, I mean, that is obviously the, the reason. When, when he tweeted, he said that was part of the reason for this proclamation. But it's kind of hard to really tie that with what he actually did because the... You know, if that's what he's going for, the immigrant visa, um, applying for a green card through the embassies abroad, which are already closed, isn't going to have a major impact on on that side of things. Now, right. he has said, he has said, and he's asking, I think, the secretaries of labor and Department of Homeland Security, Secretary of State, to give him recommendations within 30 days to, you know, see if there's additional um, proclamations, executive orders, whatever it is, he can put in place to talking about non-immigrant visa holders um, to try and restrict that side of things. And that could have a big impact on, um, you know, at least employment here, but there's already, you know, it's already so hard to get a visa, to get a green card um, for foreign nationals that it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to make it that much tougher. I mean, obviously, Afshan, do you have any particular thoughts? I mean, I know Perm for one example, the, the recruitment process they go through for uh, employment-based green card, applications it's going to be really hard um to get a case through there and show no qualified u.s workers when there's 20 plus million u.s workers unemployed right now no i'm agreeing with you ostensibly it it, it makes sense what, what the title of the proclamation was suspend the proclamation suspending entry of immigrants who present risk to the u.s labor market during the economic recovery following the covid19 out, outbreak and then since, so that, that is the name of the proclamation, but exactly as Rich said, it's not really done 
or said anything that was contrary to what was already in place with the embassies and consulates already closed. So, I, of course, his intent is there, but the proclamation that came down last week, it didn't really address that. So, and I think we can, we have already seen since early 2016, once Trump when Trump became president, when he put the Buy American, High American executive orders in place, that it was very much protecting the American workforce. So this is just continuing on from the, uh, the, entire, well, the entire past four years. So in terms of like, will it um, slow down or suspend immigration for that purpose of helping American workers? Yes, but that's already been happening. And like um, Rich was saying, in terms of the perm, it's going to be harder to do perm labor certifications because you have to prove that no other American worker can do the job. So that's why I, I was saying that tech and digital will always be needed. So the industries that are needed is where I think there will not be a slowdown in immigration. That's a great answer. So what's the workaround? Let's say you, are, you're, you're, you, you want to come to work in America and, they, and you have a new client coming to you, Rich, Afsa. Uh, Lynn, I know you're working with people necessarily leaving America, but what are you? What would you tell them right now? How would you help them state their case that they uh, they should become they come and get a green card? Um, should I take this first, Rich? Go for it. Sure. Yeah. So I'm actually telling. I'm for a lot of people. I'm saying this is actually a, a blessing this time for you, where things are closed, because your desire and ambition to come is so great but this gives you the time to really work on yourself, build up your skills, build up your resume, build up your criteria, like really, really work on yourself and your application. So can you, can you remind me the, the, the question, what I'm telling the, the workarounds? I guess the workaround is just be the best version of yourself. I think just create the strongest application possible so that when the closures um, end at the consulates and embassies, you go in there with a really 100% knockout case. So I don't do as many corporate clients. So I do work more on the individuals who maybe do an EB1 visa or the extraordinary ability visa. So giving them advice about this, it's actually this time is really helping them build and grow. That's what I've been telling people. Excellent. So um, well, I think you answered that great. So actually I'm gonna change up the question, Rich. I'm gonna ask you, we have a lot of people in the US right now who are coming up to the end of their Esther stay there and they've been here for nearly 90 days there's no flights home what should they are they coming to you what are you advising them are you working with any travel agencies to help get them back repatriated what is what, what's what's going on well it's a really tough situation honestly because um you know esther limited to that 90-day period and because the traditional uh, name for Esther is visa waiver. You're basically coming in without a wa without a visa. And that means that you can't actually, there's nothing that we can do to file an extension of status or, or limited exceptions on some green card if you're getting married. But that's about it. Like there is one possibility that immigration has, has kind of, you know, it's always been there. We used it back when, I think, was it the Iceland volcano was erupting and a lot of travel was delayed at that point. Um, but it's called satisfactory departure and it's a, it's a process where you can basically ask for an additional 30 days, um, to stay. You basically have to prove that you've, you know, your, your flights have been canceled due to COVID and show that you're able to book another one within the 30 days. 
Um, it's quite a long-winded process that I can kind of put the information somewhere for, for people, but you basically have to phone through and give them all the information and, and do all that. And you can sometimes get given this 30 day extension. It's not a given. It's not always, you know, they're a little bit tough on it, just like, like they are with everything right now. Um, but it's kind of one of these things. You also do not want to be overstaying. I mean, similar to what Lynn was talking about in the U S we have the three and 10 year bar, um, which basically means if you overstay, by more than 180 days, you trigger, once you leave, you trigger a three-year bar to being able to come back into the country. And that bar increases to a 10-year bar if you overstay by more than a year. So definitely something that people need to be aware of. And, you know, you get an extra 30 days right now, who's to say that's going to really kind of be enough? Because um, we don't know when this, this side of things is going to end. So yeah, that would be something I would I would say on that front. It's, it's definitely getting a lot of questions on it. We're you know, sending an email with, with some of the information we've got from USCIS. I mean, we work with them through different liaisons to try and get the information that, you know, they, they, they can then disseminate the information to our clients. So we can make sure people know about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough time right now on that front. And um, James, if I can just add from a UK perspective for anybody Please. who yeah, is... Yeah, I was about to ask you. Yeah, so anybody who's in the UK and, you know, even if it's an American who doesn't need a visit visa to enter the UK but has to leave after after six months of being in the UK and that's coming up to their date, um, the Home Office has actually provided some leniency in that if, if their leave is expiring up until the 31st of May, then they can actually extend their leave until the 31st of May, provided they get in touch with what the new department, which is the Corona Immigration Team Department, with details of what their status is, and that should be extended to the 31st of May. Unfortunately, after the 31st of May, we don't know what will happen. Um, but there's also a helpful provision that they've announced, which is, again, up until the 31st of May, um, it's possible to switch into a different visa category in the UK. Now, ordinarily, it's very difficult to switch visa categories in the UK. And usually, you would have to leave the UK and then apply for fresh entry clearance from your home country or country of residence. But they are allowing for this in-country switch, which is really helpful. That's great information. Um, so, I, I mean, it, I, you, and you jumped in, Lynn, because I was going to ask you, just to clarify, but have you had many approaches from any um, U.S. businesses here trying to repatriate any of their citizens? Do they even come to you or are they just working directly with um, state government on, on yeah. getting people back? They're just, they're really just working directly. So we've not, we've not been involved in that particularly at the moment. Right. Okay. Got it. So following on from that, you know, you get that valuable green card. And everyone wants that. And you know, if you've got one, you know what it takes to get one. If you get a citizenship, you know what it takes to get that. It's a lot of work. And, sure. and it's a, it's a well-fought battle. And, and you thoroughly deserve it when you get it. But let's say you're now, you, your green card's expiring and you can't come back to renew it. What is in place? Because people are probably stressing out about that. Rich, what would you tell them? Well, the good thing with green card, if it's expiring, is it's, it's pretty straightforward. You know, you can still file a renewal. Um, I think they can actually even allow you to apply for it online now. So that, that side of things can be pretty straightforward. Um, the issue that we've had a lot of questions on is people that are outside the country, 
um, stuck abroad. Sometimes if they're looking after loved ones or something like that, they just do not want to, you know, can't travel back at this point. There's certain issues with a green card. Once you have a green card, the U.S. wants you to be living and working in the U.S. permanently. And if you're out for too long, they can find you to have abandoned your green card. Um, and typically, we see that if, you've, if you're outside of the country for more than six months on a trip. Um, the kind of typically what we see is when people are coming back in, if they are out for an extended trip, you just need to make sure that that person has um, evidence as to why they needed to be out. And obviously right now, given the current situation, this is obviously very unprecedented and it, it kind of makes sense. And I think it would be useful if you are traveling for a long period or if you're outside the country for, for a long period when you're coming back in to show that additional documentation. Um, I think that would be the key if you're in that situation. But one thing also to keep in mind is if you did want to apply for citizenship down the line, if you're outside the country for more than six months on any one trip while you're on the green card, um, the continuity of your residence for citizenship purposes is disrupted. So you may, once you come back in, you may have to wait longer before you can apply for citizenship than you initially thought. So there's a couple of different things to think of. First, obviously protecting your green card, which you should be okay, but yeah, you really want to make sure you can document why you had to be abroad. And the second is citizenship it might be a little bit more delayed. And I know some people that have family members they want to sponsor, that that could be a major issue. Uh, thanks for clarifying. Um, my own personal experience, it, I am a citizen. I, I have my US citizenship and it's the best thing I've ever done since I've lived here. And I would encourage anyone on a green card with the opportunity to become a citizen uh, to certainly do it. And we obviously have three experts on today who would help with all of that, which actually reminds me that uh, the information on today's podcast will be shown on our website with links to some of these items, specifically that Rich has been mentioning, um, and more info to follow on that. Um, so um, we're, we're kind of coming towards the latter stage of the podcast now. Um, we've talked about the present situation we talked a little bit about, you know, what's going on, the uncertainty. From a from a from a positive outlook, the lights at the end of the tunnel in some respects. Business is going to start again fairly soon. And it sounds like there's going to be opportunity there. It sounds like there may be some easing of restrictions for certain businesses. From your own personal experiences from all of this, what what would you like to share with the listeners? Afsha, how about you? Why don't you start us off? Um, well, seeing as I've been getting, um, and I think all of us have been getting lots of um, uh, questions and emails, everyone panicking, is um, just remain calm. That's the main thing I can say. Don't panic. This is a global pandemic. We have a lot of people dying. So when it comes to your immigration status, it might seem like life and death, but it is actually not life and death. So relax. And um just trust like trust your lawyers as well to take care of you in in this climate so and we and I, I know that I am I'm sure all three of us are happy to answer any questions so feel free to ask us questions but just stay calm don't panic that's what I would tell people that's wonderful advice thank you How about yourself Lynn yeah I think definitely stay calm and just it's it's really quite comforting that we know we're all in this together, no matter where our clients are. We're all going through the same financial worries, mental health issues, and just that 
that uncertainty, but we're all in this together. And I think so much can come from just sharing experiences and continuing to talk to each other. And, you know, from, from a UK immigration perspective as well, I think that the Home Office, although some of their communications have been somewhat reactive, it's been really encouraging to see how much flexibility they're introducing for certain migrants in the UK. And, you know, they've specifically said that they don't want anybody to be to their detriment as a result of COVID and their immigration status. And I think that's that's something that you don't often see from a government agency in immigration. And I think that's really encouraging knowing that, you know, everybody has to accept that these are unprecedented times and it's important to recognise that we just have to try and be as flexible as we can moving forward. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's uh, it definitely is. Uh, we we just got to be flexible and just and, and remain calm. I love that. I love that message. What about you, Richard? I'm going to echo the same thing. Keep calm and carry on. Right. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. It's, yeah, I think just making sure you check in with, you know, family members that might be, you know, obviously going through a tough time, particularly, you know, in, I think most of our situations where we're here in the US and we have family back in the UK and, you know, it's, it's, I think Zoom and uh, FaceTime or WhatsApp, these things have been great tools just to, you know, just check in more so than you would normally with particularly elderly relatives and talk to them and see what what is happening there because I think they're going through the same kind of situation obviously you know sometimes even more because they feel like more at risk from the whole the COVID situation so I would say that would be um one thing definitely to keep in mind actually I just have a bonus question because this is the, the use of technology has made me think about this um if we have the lockdown if it extends much further and business needs to continue but we can't be at places in physically there do you think that the government will adopt the use of technology and maybe conduct some of these interviews via the zoom platform do you think that's even feasible or is it just too open-ended for abuse what are your thoughts on that uh personally i would love that i mean one thing that i have seen them do at least at u.s immigration is they've finally allowed us to you know, basically submit scanned versions of signatures on a lot of the the forums. I know it seems like such a minor thing um, and something that they really should have done a long time ago, but up until very recently, everything that was submitted had to be original signatures. So it was a case of a lot of FedExes going back and forth between people. Now, don't know whether this is going to be kind of a, a permanent change or if it's just during the situation, but, you know, when we send out a form to a client, they can scan it back to us. We can then still have to send in the physical filing. Um, but that side of things is at least being a, a little bit nicer. And, and maybe, maybe that's the case in the future, maybe some kind of interview platform or something along those lines, because yeah, this, this, it sounds like this is going to be with us for a while. It's oh. very, it's very, it's very interesting what you propose. And I was thinking that, that actually something like that, well, not with the government, but with employers and their employees is already in place with um, I-9 compliance. So if you know anything about I-9 compliance, it's a way for an employer to verify that the person that they're hiring is actually eligible to work in the United States, um, has a, either a work, authori work authorized visa or an EAD or a green card or a US citizen. So what, what's happening? Because 
part of the I-9 verification process is that your employer or one of the agents has to see you there in person. So within three days, the, the paperwork has to be filed. So what they're doing now, because physical presence is, it can't happen. So for the first time, I suppose since the 80s, they've lifted this. And so employers are able to do video um, conferencing with, with um, new employees coming on board or verify over internet, other means. But a lot of video conferencing is happening in that exactly the way that you mentioned. As to whether it will extend to the government, I mean, I would be excited to see if something like that could happen because there's going to be such a big backlog that something like this could speed up the process. So to, to answer your question, I have no idea, but I would love it. And it's actually happening right now for employees and their new employees in, a, in an unprecedented move. So, yeah, that is my very, answer to that. Very encouraging. Wonderful. And, Lena, obviously you use technology all the time if you're, if you're communicating internationally with people, I'm guessing. So it'd be interesting to see if some of those countries will adopt more use of technology do you think so yeah i mean absolutely i think the uk is actually pretty lucky our immigration landscape is pretty lucky compared to maybe america in that the most visa applicants don't usually have to have an interview so that element is out of the equation and then they're also um more recently at least they now accept a lot of documents electronically so it's not about you know printing out and a hard copy signing and hard copy bank statements. So that's really good. So I think, that, you know, the biggest hurdle in immigration for us is just um, capturing biometric data because that's, that's where we need the technology. If we could get somebody to submit their fingerprints and digital photograph, well, we can do the digital photograph now, like even, even applying for a British passport, you know, from America, we can now upload a digital photograph, which is brilliant. So we don't need to go and, go into the chemist and do that but um our issue is just probably the the actual biometric fingerprinting that's that's where we need some technology created all right opportunity is at the door <laughs> exactly. for someone there there you go okay thank you everybody for joining today uh what another wonderful british american business council los angeles podcast my name is james langridge i want to thank Everybody who joined this uh, call today, APSA, uh, Lynn and Rich, wonderful knowledge base there, very helpful. Thank you all. And uh, like I mentioned before, information for people to check out. Um, if they have questions, will be available via the link when we post this podcast. Thank you again. Another podcast soon.